0: Great. Let's welcome Carly. She's going to come and speak. You. <laughs> oh my excuse, me. Oh, excuse my bottom. Can I hear You are hey, Me? Oh. Right. Thank you. Oh, that's very loud. Can you turn me down a bit? When I start talking, I probably get a bit louder. So beyond that, Josh. I can't think of a better run up to my talk than what we've just heard. Uh, Lizzie's fantastic story she's disappeared off now and then Fred and Jenny it's perfect absolutely perfect because a few weeks ago my phone rang and Peter asked me if I would talk to you on the topic of family from the book of Acts and uh, so I said yes I thought that's really good but I'm not going to talk to you about my family it would be interesting for about five minutes to talk about my husband and my kids and then I think about my parents and my brothers and sisters and you might find that interesting especially if I flew in a few sort of gossipy bits about my parents break up and all that kind of stuff you might think yeah that's interesting but not for long and you probably would forget it today I'm going to talk to you about our family going to talk about you and me, us, my brothers and sisters. My topic for today is this family, the fellowship of believers. Because the Bible talks a lot about family, and Acts does too. So if we look at Acts 2, verses 40 to 47, we can see um, in quite good detail what the fellowship of believers looked like in the early church, I'm going to jump straight in and crack on, because we are a little bit limited for time. I'm going to be efficient with my words. So is that up, Georgia? The good thing about Acts is that Luke's brilliant in his honesty. He records all sorts of divisions and arguments and tensions. And if you go further through into the letters, you can see that sometimes real disasters and traumas need to be sorted out. But this is how it started. So I'll read the ESP, and then I'm going to read from the Amplified, because I really like it. So the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Amplified uses a a few more words, and it says this. And they steadfastly persevered, devoting themselves constantly to the instruction and fellowship of the apostles, to the breaking of bread, including the Lord's Supper, and prayers. And a sense of awe, reverential fear, came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were performed through the apostles, the special messengers. And all who believed, that is, who adhered to and trusted in and relied on Jesus Christ, were united, and together they had everything in common." And they sold their possessions, both their landed property and their movable goods, and distributed the price among all according as any had need.' And day after day, they regularly assembled in the temple with united purpose. And in their homes, they broke bread, including the Lord's Supper. They partook of their food with gladness and simplicity and generous hearts, constantly praising God and being in favor and goodwill with all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who are being saved from spiritual death. I really like the amplified in certain circumstances. Leslie introduced me to that. So the word that really sticks out to me is devoted. Peter touched on it last week when he talked about the word and the spirit. And they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And if we look in those verses, we can see they were together. They were together. They were really together. They met together. Where? Everywhere in temple and in homes. When? Constantly. All the time. Every day. You get this feeling that everyday life just sort of got in the way. They were hungry for each other and for God. I've just been around quite a lot today. (laughs) They were just experiencing a whole new mode of existence. They were individuals, but now they're believers. They are together. These people have got a new life. And they want to do it together. There was an advert, wasn't it? We want to be together. What was that? (laughs) They want to be together. They're not told to. It's not out of duty. It's not because they have to. It's not because somebody would ring them up on Sunday afternoon if they didn't turn up. They just want to. It's not because it's what their family does. It's not because what they're used to doing. It's because they want to be together together. It's this response to new life and relationship with God that wants them to be together. It's radical and new. We're kind of used to this. This was radical and new. So I want to look at three things, if you want to scribble them down there. Who came together, what they did together, and why they came together, and how that affects us. So looking at the who if we look at the whole chapter, which is always a good idea, should never look at anything in isolation, the whole chapter, you can see that the crowd isn't the usual Jerusalem crowd. Peter explained this last week. Every nation under heaven was there. Practically the whole known Roman world was represented in this group of people. So you can guarantee there was diversity. Every kind of person was present. Every culture, every class, every temperament, They didn't have much in common, they were Jews. They didn't have much in common, but all of a sudden, they're in each other's houses. They're going to temple, they're eating together, they're drinking together. They are one. And this, for me, shows the beauty of the inclusivity of Christianity. The greatest minds and the educated, the men and the women, the rich and the poor. There is incredible beauty in our diversity, Because we share a commonality that goes deeper than racial ties, national ties, biological ties or political ties. We have this commonality that is unique. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was a a vicar, if you like, in the Second World War. And he says that during the Second World War, uh, Christian soldiers from all over the world would turn up at his meetings on a Sunday. And afterwards, they'd come in to chat with him in his office. And he'd say... They knew me, and I knew them. Despite the fact that there were infantrymen, captains, officers from the States, that they knew each other. He knew them, and they knew him because they shared Jesus. They had a oneness together. When we go camping, actually, we don't do so much now because, thankfully, the kids have got too big to squeeze into a little um, static caravan anyway chris would always go missing and they'd be like where's dad where's dad dad was always trying to find the christians so he would he had had this it is a spiritual gift of he'd go on the campsite he'd see a little fish on the back of a car or he'd linger a bit too long in the bar because he had a feeling this guy was a christian and we'd always say oh there's dad with his new best friend because he'd always find the christians because there is a oneness You recognize each other. I'm sure you can relate to that. When you've met Christians for the first time, there is a oneness that you can share together. The gospel brings you into contact with people you would never normally be with. There is diversity in this room now, but there will be much more. There will be much wider and much deeper diversity as we grow, and I would love to see greater diversity. I don't know how many of you remember Jerry Pasley. He was here when we first moved to the church. He was like the granddad. Bill knows him extremely well. And he told us a story once of how he had been challenged at work, that he was raising his children to be very narrow-minded girls because he was raising them in a Christian household and they came to church. And his response to that was, how can that possibly be true? Because on a Sunday morning... My girls mix with doctors, lawyers, teachers, people that clean, people that work in the supermarket, mums that stay at home, mums that have high-powered jobs. There's every type of person within my church family. So how can they possibly be narrow-minded? They're able to communicate with all these people and be really confident, knowing that they're loved for who they are, because when we're there on a Sunday all those titles just fall away and have no meaning. And I thought, he's absolutely right. What a fantastic family to bring your children up in. It's really lovely diversity, but it is also a bit of a challenge because we choose our friends in the world, don't we? We choose who we like being with. We hang out with those that are similar to us. And so diversity does bring challenges. In church life, in this family, God has chosen who we're friends with. God has chosen our brothers and our sisters for us. And I recognize that that's a challenge, and we'll talk about that a bit later on. So that's the who. What? What did they do? Well, in the small groups, or the large groups, verse 42 explains that they were knee-deep in learning, loving, and liturgy, which is a posh word for worship, but it's good because it starts with an L. So we've got learning, loving, and liturgy. So learning, they studied the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the word of God. The scriptures reveal Jesus. God speaks to us in lots of ways, as Peter explained last week, but it is mainly through the Bible. It's the only book that God wrote. It's perfect in authority. And Jesus needs to be preached and taught, and it's all recorded for us in his book. And the early church realized the value of the the word of God, the Old Testament that they had, and the apostles' teaching that they were now receiving. They were devoting themselves to the word. So they were devoting themselves to the word in the big, temple worship, and the small. They were involved in both. So we have this morning, temple worship, Sunday mornings, when we big gather, so this is, this is teaching of the Word. We're devoting ourselves to the Word. We're devoted in the big. It's also good to devote yourself in the small. I run a Bible study group with Rosie Ishwood and Kerry here at the front. And that is a brilliant way to get stuck into Bible study, to get stuck into the Word. Have a friend, get some notes, do it at home. Devote yourself somehow to the study of the Word in the big here and in the small. Because everything we do flows out of that teaching of what Jesus did and said, his death and resurrection. So that's the learning, the loving. They loved each other. They were working out their new life. This commonality that they were new to, it took some getting used to. They would have had to have worked it out. Like I said, if you look further into the letters, you can see it takes some working out. You have to work at being family together. They would have borne each other's burdens, confessed sin. What the world says hide, they are now sharing. Because the gospel allows you to be humble and admit weakness. I'm sure within this environment they were admonishing and confronting each other. They would have had to have worked at it. Chris and I came to Church in the Peak 15 years ago. And uh, we came, it's really interesting hearing your story because we came from a lovely church. We were quite happy there, had friends and we well, had family like this. And, uh, but God called us here and put us in this family. And, uh, and it hasn't always been easy to be family with you, I'm afraid. <laughs> I'm sure it hasn't always been easy for you to be family with us. Because over that 15 years, we've had celebrations of two of our children here we we we've, we've had loads of birthdays and fun things and we do party reasonably hard so we have loads of things to celebrate but there's also been times of real difficulty i've fallen out with people you know it's been tough we've had arguments we've had disagreements we've had clashes we've had heartache and pain that we've walked through with people and if this was a club we would have left Seriously, if it was just a club or a group of friends, we wouldn't have stayed. Because it's hard. Because it's been hard. It's been amazing, but it's been hard. And when it's hard, you think, I'm off. But the reason we didn't and we won't is because we are devoted to loving you. We're devoted to being loved. We're devoted to this family. It's how our kids understand church. It's how our kids understand God. It's how they understand how we work life together. It's really important to us because they're your kids too. Your kids, my kids, my kids, are your kids. There's, like a, there's a family belonging where we want to cheer them on, encourage them, see them do well. If they fall, we pick them up. It's a family. It's a really important family. If I had been ill today, I could have asked Reuben Pride to come and do the talk. Because a couple of weekends ago, we had a celebration for Chris's 50th birthday. And Reuben was sitting having breakfast with us, and he turned to his dad, Justin, and he said, This is just like Sunday. And Justin asked him why, and he said, Because of the people. Because church is the people. So Reuben could have done this talk in about 30 seconds, Phil. (laughs) So that's the loving, the liturgy, the worship. Notice, I'm a bit of a nerd about words. It says the breaking of bread. That actually means communion. It means the breaking of bread, the Lord's supper. I'm sure they ate together. It says they ate together, but it's that's a separate thing. That is a worshipful breaking of bread together, not a religious act. It says corporate worship. They were remembering the Lord. So this community that we're looking at was devoting themselves to the word, to real fellowship, which is a word, I suppose, that means friendly relationship or community, and to worship in the big and the small, in the temple and in homes. You can see the gathering, the small groups, the gathering, the small groups. You can see it in the language. And many wonders and signs were following the apostles. Yeah. They should follow us, signs and wonders. We're not chasing them, we're chasing Jesus. And if we chase Jesus, there should be signs and wonders following us. And we should expect power because they saw it, so why shouldn't we? So what's the result of all this worship, this learning, loving, and liturgy? It's action, isn't it? Ministry. They were together in deed and in word. They were generous with their goods inside and outside the community. Lizzie's story fantastically links in with that. And every day, the church was growing in number. They were growing in favor with the people, and it wasn't through any evangelistic programs. It was just out of the overflow of who they were as a community. So I'm not saying we shouldn't do stuff. But I am saying it's clear that it's that of this overflow of who they were as a family and a community together. People were interested. A lot of people were interested. Because Peter, 120 of them, then it jumps to 3,000. Then not long after, 2,000 more. People were interested in this combination of word, spirit, and I believe community. Because the learning, the loving, and the liturgy, they all enforce each other and create a really strong basis. So I firmly believe that whether it's a small group or a large gathering, we should be devoting ourselves to, posh word, the doctrinal, which means the reading the Bible, grappling with theology, making sure you actually understand what you believe and who God is, because then you can talk about him better, more easily, you understand who he is. And the relational, this building of loving communities and relationships, because from those two things, if they're going on, whenever there's a window into our family, people will see, wow, they'll think, what is going on? That's an attractive community that loves God, but they really love each other as well. They, this oh, it's outreaching, it's not a very good word, this reaching out that the early believers did was an overspill of the way they cared for each other. And we're the same. I honestly think that's why we do Top Zone and Jigsaw. It's not because it's a good idea. It makes sense in a practical way. But I think we do it because it's an overspill of how we love God and love each other, that it just floods out over the edge Totstone's a brilliant idea because we want to people to know his love. Jigsaw's a brilliant idea because we want people to know that there's a God who cares for them in practical ways and in emotional support. This is an overspill of what we do, I think. Because it's a family that those people will come into. If we start from the basis of family, it's easy for them to come into family. We're not a club, we're just not a club we are a family. We're a totally new community of people. This is unlike any other club in the whole wide world, the Church of God. We are not a club. We are a family, a community of people who love each other, encourage each other, and nurture one another. We're just ordinary people. I'm really ordinary, I'm sorry, but so are you. We're just ordinary people who realized that we weren't doing a great job of life on our own and that we needed a savior. And we asked Jesus to come into our life and he rescued us. And that's what we have in common. It doesn't matter if you're a lawyer like Harry, it doesn't matter if you stay at home with the kids like me. That's what we have in common. We just knew we needed a saviour. That's our oneness. And this morning is temple... I I think of it like this, temple worship. It's our big gathering of community together. It's not a performance. Thank you, Steve. You did really well. But it wasn't a show. It wasn't a performance. It was him helping us and encouraging us into worship. So when you go home in the car and you say, Steve, wasn't very good. Well... He wasn't performing for you. He was encouraging you. He was trying to help you to lead into worship. Right? (laughs) It's not a show is what I'm trying to get at. It's not performance. This is our temple worship where we gather together. It's our family sort of responsibility to worship together. And the people that play the instruments, they just help us into it. So, it's important to devote yourself to that, to worship, to devote yourself to God and each other when we gather like this. There is a heart connection that you get with people that you pray and worship with. There's an honesty and an openness and an encouragement that comes from the small groups, from the meeting in homes that you don't get on a big Sunday morning meeting. So, my first question is, is Are you in a small group? And if you're not, if you're on Connect team, could you stick your hand up? Chris there and Pamela's there. That'll, be, that'll do Yeah, We've got loads of people here. Hands up. If you're not in a small group, go and find one of them because they will let you know where the nearest gathering of small is near to you. That's the best way to get knitted in and they will know where to put you. Get plugged in. Belong. Devote yourself to meeting here on a Sunday and to the small during the week. There's prayer meetings that are available for corporate prayer. Sunday mornings here at Course to Ten, down at Riverside, is it still, what time is it, Friday? Eight o'clock on a Friday morning. Once a month on a Thursday evening. These are priorities. Gather yourself with a couple of friends at home. If something happens, pick up the friend to a phone. Can you pray with me? Devote yourself to prayer. So why does all this happen? Because they are worshippers of God. That's the why. Worshipping God is the dynamite behind the studying, the loving, the learning, the worshipping, the evangelising. It all comes from this excitement of worshipping God. There is only one person worth worshipping. There is no one like him. No one does what he does. He is the only one who deserves our worship. Worship isn't just singing. It does include singing, though. It's not just singing, but it does include singing. And whatever we're going through, Jesus is worthy of worship. I've had to choose to worship loads of times. You have had to choose to worship when tough stuff is going on. Because whatever is going on, Jesus is still worthy of worship. He's alive, and that in itself is a good enough thing to get excited about. How you get excited will look different, but but you have to choose sometimes to worship. C.S. Lewis said something about the beautiful makes you want to grab someone and say, look, listen. And we have to sort of share our joy when we get together to worship. What we're really saying is look at God. Oh, see, look what he's done. Look what he's done for me. That's what we do when we meet together. I mean, clubs don't meet every day, I think with the exception of the Ramblers Association in the Peak District. They even have a walk on Christmas Day. But these believers here, we're getting together all the time to worship, to say, look, see. And it's within this framework that all the loving and the healing and the discipline, the admonishment, the confrontation, Sometimes it's not all fluffy, nice stuff. Sometimes it's a bit harder. But it all happens within this framework of them loving each other because they're worshippers of God. He's not just nice for us. This is why we evangelize. He's not just nice. He's nice. He's good for you. He's not just good for me. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. That's why I tell people who don't know Jesus, not because he's good for me, it makes my life a bit easier. It's because he's beautiful. Look at him. See what he's done. Devote yourself to being a worshiper. So are we devoted to fellowship? Are you devoted to fellowship? To being one together? To encouraging each other? Eating together? Having communion together? Reading and studying scripture? Crying together? Celebrating together? Praying for each other? Relaxing together? Worshipping in the small groups and the corporate. Do you have openness and honesty in your friendships? Do we expect the miraculous when we pray together? Do we seek the presence of God? Do we ask for healing? Do we share what we have? Evidently we do. Do we share what we have? Are we all inclusive of those? Accepting people from a different class? from a different level of education, gender, temperament, color, race, the bonkers, the straightforward, the introvert, the extrovert, the single parents, the broken families, the divorced. Do we accept all these people? I do. I, could you know why? Because Jesus does. I believe we do. But I'm going to stick my hand up and say yes. Have to. We have no choice. We're a family of God and he will put in our family whoever he chooses. We're going to look at a building as almost as soon as I stop talking, and our family will grow when we get there. And it will include much more diversity, is my prayer. And we will have to apply all of the above to that do we accept? Yes, do we act yes, do we accept yes all the time. We have to choose to believe that this is a family of God where He puts whoever He likes into our family. Because the bottom line is, I think, from this passage, that if we're devoted to fellowship, we will find favor with the people. And the next bit says, the Lord will add to our number those who are being saved daily. So it's fellowship, devoting yourself, and it spills out. Am I making that clear? It spills out. So let's be really honest with ourselves now because everyone has to deal with something when they live in community. Maybe you don't like someone in this room. Maybe you want your privacy. Maybe it's your time, and it's your money, and it's your stuff, and they're my needs, and I come first, and there's some hurt feelings you just stroke. We will drive each other crazy. But we have to work things out as family do. I can think of loads of reasons why I would really get on your nerves and I might even be doing it now. But I am sure that I've let you down. I haven't phoned you. Maybe I haven't been the friend you hoped I'd be to you. There might be loads of reasons why I completely wind you up and maybe you can't even stand me. I urge you to love one another. To love the Lord. To love the people in your community group. You know them best, which probably means they're the ones that annoy you the most. Although we love you guys. <laughs> but you know, when you're in a... Sp- We've got Dave Watmore in our group. No, we- <laughs> but in a small group, that's when you really get down to the nuts and bolts of relationship. And that's when you are, have to choose to be devoted to each other. We are not permitted the luxury of not liking someone. Sorry, but we're not. Because they're your brother and your sister in Christ. We're family. And we're put together for the good of each other. For the good of each other. And the glory of God. That's why we stay when things get difficult. Because you, we see... It's for the glory of God and the good of each other. Harry and Den, in particular, greet Chris with brother. I love it. I love it. Brother, love it. It says, I get it that we're family. I think it really grieves God's heart when we're not kind to each other. I honestly think it's the moment of... Whew, I really think it grieves the heart of God when we forget we're family and we're not kind to each other. Because there is such purpose in how we're put together. There is such purpose in this family. I think we need to ask for his perspective. So can I urge you to love your leadership? They are not perfect. They're going to get things wrong. They're not perfect. Love them. Pray for them. Love your family. Love your spiritual family. And even when there's conflict, trouble, or trial, we love one another and we work it out so that we can be the family of God and continue to mature together. Because I think if we're loving one another, we will be ready for anything. So there's a few challenges just before I finish. First first question is, if you're new here, you're so welcome. If you want to belong to this family, please seek out one of those hands and join a community group. Just go once. See how you get on. I'm sure you'll find a home. And we're just going to pause for a minute. And I'm going to ask you to respond while we're here doing this rather than dashing off. So... I'm going to ask you now just to devote yourself to family. That will mean something for, different for everyone. It might mean that, as I've said, you're not allowed to like someone. There's been a little... So everyone just close your eyes. We can have a little pause. I'm just going to give you time just to just to have a little bit of a chat with God on your own. Just have a think about what devoting yourself to fellowship means for you. It might mean that you need to change your attitude towards somebody, it might mean you want to make some practical steps to be able to get to some meetings. Jesus, we love being family together. We thank you for it. We pray, God, that we'd have your perspective on what it is to be part of your family here, Lord. Okay, so what could you do this week to demonstrate that you've heard me? I like to be practical. You could have a meal with someone, have a coffee, invite someone to pray, you could turn up a Bible study, you Do something practical to demonstrate that you listened this morning. If you don't know Jesus here this morning, and you think, this looks like a family I'd really like to belong to, then you are so, so welcome. And uh, Dave and I, Dave what more with this sort of mustardy jumper on, over there, who's not listening? No, he is. (laughs) Dave will be with me at the front at the end. If you don't know Jesus, and you'd like to, we would love to introduce you to him, because that you can belong to this family, and you'd be so welcome. I'm just going to read Hebrews 1022 to 25, before I close. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more, as you see, the day is drawing near. So I really hope that this morning, that little exposition of what that, the tiny few verses in Acts has so much to say for us. And I hope you can grab onto something that will make a real difference to how you see fellowship and family. And I just want to pray for us all before we go down to the building. I know Phil wants a few words, but I'm just going to pray. Jesus, we want a touch of what those early Christians had, Lord. A passion for Jesus, and a passion for each other. Help us work, Lord, at being a fellowship of believers who love your word, who love your spirit, and love being a family together. And I pray, Lord God, that as we do these things out of the overspill of family life together, that you would add daily to our number, those that are being saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Wasn't that good? Really good. That's just a really those few verses are the blueprint for the church of what the church should be like when it was first birthed there in Acts till Jesus comes again. Shouldn't be any different today. So well done. Thank you, Guy. Just really good.